Okay, welcome everybody. Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo as always. We're gonna do a couple of critiques live on air today. Um, I don't think uh, in many of the cases I'm actually going to um, release that these people, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to release people's identities uh, just because I haven't exactly uh, asked their permission uh, to <laughs> in order to do it, but nobody has to know who it is. Just in case, you know, like there's always the risk, I suppose, somebody is going to uh, get nervous or whatever. So anyway, without further ado, let's get right into the show and we're going to get into some nitty gritty and just give some feedback on some performances today. Okay, so we're back. I've got uh, a new webcam up here, which is going to be pretty cool. Although, uh, if I'm not careful, I hit my desk and you can see the camera kind of wiggles and then sometimes it kind of uh, tries to refocus or what have you, but uh, should actually probably be getting a better picture now, better overall uh, video feed. It's a little bit whitewashy, I guess, isn't it? Um, so anyway, as I was mentioning before, um, we are gonna be doing some live critiques today. So I have some audio queued up here. And I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think you're gonna be able to find out this person's identity, um, which is okay. And I'll reach out to that person just to let them know that I've done their critiques live. But for us, I wanna listen in and I wanna really drill down into um, the art of giving feedback, which I think is much, much more challenging than it seems like. So there's there's two things here. Number one, we have to learn uh, we have to learn what the best way to break down a performance is uh, in order to offer someone the most improvement, right? And then we also have to be able to um, develop our own sense of what needs to be improved when we're playing, so that obviously we know, you know, tom at tomorrow's practice session, what am I going to drill down into? And, um, you know, what, what exactly is it that I need to work on? So we're going to work on it a little bit. I think that there are implications too. like, there's so much bad feedback happening out in the world of piping by, um, you know, so-called experts. And it's not, and it's not to say that we can't uh, formulate opinions and give advice, but it's the same sort of thing. Like um, I, I'm sure some people tuned in here today are going to laugh because I always use a golf analogy. It's the same thing in golf. So many people that have no real idea how to hit the ball well, always offering advice every time you have a bad shot, right? And it can really sort of get you twisted around. So, you know, as we do more and more of these critiques moving forward, you know, see if you can find a pattern in how uh, we're going to approach this and how we're going to build it up because it's all about developing strong fundamentals. Um, so without further ado, let's listen to the first one. This one is um, uh, this one is pretty straightforward. It's a 2-4 march called the 79th Farewell to Gibraltar. I'm actually going to load the music up on the screen here for us. Okay, here's the 79th Farewell to Gibraltar. A couple bars are cut off by my bright shining face, but uh, if I remember, I can uh, turn that off. But we get the basics. You'll be able to see the music here basically, which is kind of cool. I've got my phone out and I can indeed see the music. 
by the way, uh, this setting that I have is from the Alistair Gillis collection where he wrote out all the tunes the way that he played them, which is really cool. So if you have any ability to support that product, it's a little bit of an underground product, but I know it's available for purchase out there somewhere. So if you have uh, the means to support that, that would be very much appreciated, I'm sure, by... Um, all the people involved. But uh, let's get started here. So here is a performance of a mystery student of 79th's Farewell to Gibraltar. Good. So far, I really, really like this performance a lot. <clears throat> There's a couple of things which I'm not sure are on purpose or not. Like the first thing is it sounds like they only have one drone going. Okay. And I'll just note that for the record. Um, I would assume that maybe this is done on purpose and it's uh, part of the player's, you know, attempts, uh, you know, process of developing a good bagpipe sound here. Uh, but I really like what's going on a lot. The tempo strikes me as being very well in control. It might almost be to the point where they might have a metronome in their headphones or something like that. That's how convincing the, the tempo is steadiness-wise. Uh, steadiness Let's pick out a couple of important things. Number one, <clears throat> uh, there are some grace notes that are omitted. And we really want to make sure in a 2-4 march like this, especially on the assumption that it's going to be used for competition. We want to make sure that all of the goods are in here. So there's a couple of G grace notes missing. I want to say maybe in the third bar here. Uh, and it might be that their setting is different than mine and doesn't have it in, but it should. So um, mystery person out there, make sure you're playing from a strong, uh, well thought out setting here. We want to make sure all the grace notes are in there. So that's number one. Uh, that's just one of the blanket things even before. Now, next thing, the burl at the end of the part is quite early. Okay, It's very tempting to end the burl on the beat like this. Okay, But that's the incorrect rhythm for the burl there, by the way it's freezing in here. Uh, the correct rhythm of the burl is to start it on the beat like this. Okay, starting the burl on the beat and that gives that part the closure that we want, right? Da-da-dum, ba-da-ba-dee, and da-da-dum, da-da, right? Gotta turn off my Facebook so it doesn't ding at me. All right, um, other people out there, make sure you're commenting in and giving a little bit of feedback too is always appreciated. Uh, just make sure that, uh, you know, make sure that the feedback is constructive, of course. So, so far I really like the performance quite a bit. Some nitpicky things, right? 
the steps of the Terluth are being played very well, but they're not being played evenly. Okay? Right? Where... One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. That's what we really want. But we're getting one, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, let's listen back uh, to a couple of these items again. Backing it up. Here we go. Just ever so slightly uneven on the uh, burrow there, or the terlo. Tiny bit. Good. So, and part of the reason, part of the reason that the burl is not being executed well is because it's coming in um, so early, right? Here comes the second part. There's that omitted grace note again, right? So um, you might not be able to see my mouse, but this grace note's being omitted and we really kind of need it in there. Sloppiness in here, right? Omitted again here very early burrow again, right? Okay, there's definitely some sloppiness in this part that we didn't hear in the first part, so that's really something that needs to be worked on. Just crossing noises and little things. Um, the mystery player here should be breaking this down bar by bar whenever you hear one of those sloppy crossing noises and working to really get that to come through cleanly. A little early to the tailor there, similar to the burrow, right? Good. What we're hearing now is very common. The first part was really quite good, probably because that part is prepared more than the other parts. And then also probably because uh, we're losing stamina as we go. Right? Especially for a player who's still in the one drone stage, which, by the way, is awesome that you're getting this full tune up on the pipes. It's really good. It's going to be common for the tune to deteriorate a little bit as it goes. So for someone in um, the shoes of a player at this level, right, the name of the game is to get all the way to the end without anything really bad happening. We sort of had a little uh, derailment there in the second part, but it's not too much of a big deal. So let's pause there, okay? Just some early feedback there. I want you to focus on the feedback we've offered in the first couple parts. Just a little touch-up items, a couple little touch-up items. I think the overall tuning of the bagpipe is really quite good, especially for a player uh, at this sort of beginning stage of playing a solid 2-4 march. Tuning is quite pleasant to the ear, isn't it? Uh, especially once that person introduces a bass drone into the mix, gets the full bagpipe going. And once we address some of these little rhythmic issues, this tune is coming together really well. I think you're playing this at the perfect tempo. 
Okay, I think you're doing really good. We don't want to go any faster than this until we've gained control over all of these little issues. Okay, so very good mystery player. Very good performance there. Uh, somehow I want to shrink that down. Okay, the next mystery critique here is from another Dojo U student that sent in a recording of the company's lament. So we're getting into PBROC mode here a little bit. Uh, even if you're not, quote, a PBROC person, uh, don't sweat it too much because, uh, you know, there's still going to be lots of great feedback uh, we can offer here. I guess I'm just going to do this manually. For some reason, the <clears throat> this is from the PBROC Society, I think. For some reason, my photocopy ended up a little bit askew here. Um, here we go. So let's listen to the next mystery player. Play This is a different person. Play a little bit of the company's lament. All right, let's do it. By the way, uh, we've got some pipe bands coming up after this for uh, those who are wondering. Here we go. Good. Let's stop there. So um, really good job. Uh, congratulations to you. You'll know who you are on uh, getting this up on the pipes and uh, making a recording. Uh, we've got a couple of issues to start, sort out right here in the first line of the ground. Okay. A couple of, uh, you know, a couple of points that will take this tune from where it is and get it to the next, uh, the next point with just a few simple changes. Change number one. Whenever we get to the end of a two-bar phrase, this is a rule of PBROC. It's not always, you know, there are always exceptions to the rule. But when we get to the last pulse of the phrase, okay, which you might be able to see me um, pointing out with my mouse if you're watching this full screen. Uh, so here is an example of the end of the two-bar phrase, and the exact same thing happens here. And by the way, it happens in all the phrases in the ground and in variation one. So when we get to the last pulse, we want to rest a little bit on that pulse. So if I were to sing just a little bit of it. And when we get to that E, it's almost like a comma. Or if we were singing it, that's where we'd take a little breath. Take another breath. Okay, that's sort of a breathing thing. Remember that PBROC was, when in, you know, in the early days when PBROC was like, you know, a thing. The PBROC in the old days was like today's Pokemon Go. You know what I mean? It was like exciting and entertainment. And PBROC was not just played on the bagpipes. As a matter of fact, it was often sung. Uh, probably played on, um, you know, harps and other uh, stringed instruments. I, I'm not like 100%. I don't want to, you know, give too much 
on historical authority. I haven't really done tons of research there, but just remember like, you know, this wasn't always played on the pipes and we can get hints as to how this should be played uh, by singing the tune um, or even sometimes by playing it on other instruments. One of the things I love to do is just peck out the simple Pibrock melodies on a piano and you can really start to see the melodic potential here. Um, hey, Allie Murray, how are you doing? Great to see you out there, man. Exactly. We're sort of making musical sentences or paragraphs. Uh, and so like what you, what you might say, it, you know what it's like for me, Allie, you know, and you, you can, you're a really good P-Rock player as well. You know where I'm coming from. It's almost like biblical verse in a way. Um, and, uh, we, we get to, you know, we have a million clauses and then we reach the end of the sentence at the end of the uh, variation. Uh, and it comes in patterns and all sorts of stuff too, but it's almost like that. It's almost like, ver it's almost like an epic poem or a uh, biblical verse or something like that, you know, where we keep coming to these resting points and then we do something similar and then we do it again and then we do it again and then we come to the rest at the end. And then the variations are just like, you know, variations that you sometimes see in that epic, you know, style of, uh, an epic compositional style. And of course I'm not like an English major by any means, uh, but I'm just kind of winging it there. And that's kind of what it's all about. <laughs> Kieran, I like, I'm glad you like my quote, but it's pretty bang on. That's one of the things that we have to remember, especially when, you know, uh, when, when we're tempted to say, man, I really don't feel like playing P-Brock today. Like P-Brock is so boring. Uh, or, you know, when we're um, just in general, people don't get into P-Brock because of how boring it is. But we forget that like, you know, um, when you're sitting around before electricity was around and before, you know, um, basically before the, um, you know, westernized culture really infiltrated the highlands and so on, right? Like this was the ultimate form of entertainment. And it was probably amazing, extremely entertaining to hear um, amazing musicians put together these great epic pieces on the pipes. And um, I think that if we had a time machine and went back, we would find that uh, everybody contributed their own voice and their own style. And they probably even improvised on these melodies. Almost definitely, right? It was almost definitely an improvisatory form, even though today it's sort of like on the opposite end of that continuum where we're trying to fit P-Rock into a very specific box that maybe it, it can't be fit into. Although with that said, to end my little ramble here, I think that, I think that things are heading in the right direction with P-Rock, competitive P-Rock as well. You know, I, uh, minds are more and more open to different uh, interpretations. With that said... As a beginner or an intermediate, um, 99, there's a 99% chance, okay, uh, if you know what's good for you, that you'll, you know, that you'll play this, this uh, you know, traditional interpretation of the tune uh, that we find here in the P-Rock Society. So resting on the end of each phrase, very, very important. I sort of pre-listened to this recording before the show, and that's going to be a big thing. All you need to do is put a little comma at the end of each two-bar phrase and rest on that fourth note. And that's really going to turn this performance around. Next thing, another general rule of P-Brock, okay, and I, I uh, use this sort of funny, simple analogy with all of my P-Brock students, is that when we paint a painting, we want to use a paintbrush, okay? We don't want to use razor blades, okay? And we have a little bit of razor blade interpretation here. 
here especially. Okay, that's very razor blade-esque, where a little bit of paintbrush here, a little bit of softness would go a long way, right? Okay, that's exactly how I would probably play uh, the first line of the ground with a little bit of softness. Now, all of these rules, including the pause at the end of the phrase rule and the razor blade concept or rule, these are all things that are sometimes going to be broken, but not really in the company's lament. Okay, so we're going to hear a lot of razor blade-ish type stuff happening as we continue on and a lot of jumping off of the phrase ends. Let's listen and continue on. See how quickly you went off the last F of the phrase there? Okay. Yep. And very quickly off the E there. Good. So it's not really too razor blade-ish. Uh, maybe I jumped the gun there a little bit. Maybe we'll hear a little bit more as we move on. Um, so the biggest thing is getting our phrases organized. Okay. And one, um, you know, one of the things I remember sitting in classes with Andrew Wright is he would count out the phrases, something along the lines of this. And one, and two, three, and four. One, and two, and three, and four. Let me skip to the third line briefly here for you. Um, this was very not quite like, you know, balanced with the other phrases, but it would balance if we just did this. One, and two, and three, and four, right? One, and two, and three, and four, right? It's all balanced. It's all very, 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 very simple, really, at the end of the day. Smooth motions, nice balanced phrases resting on the end. So that's the biggest thing you can do um, to turn the performance around. What did people think about the bagpipe quality there? Um, I thought it was actually pretty good. If anything, the chanter has climbed sharper than the drones in pitch. So what probably needs to happen is a drone retune where we uh, increase the pitch of the drones in order to come in with the chanter. Um, as we should know, the more we play, the chanter increases in pitch over time. So it's very important to uh, keep that under consideration. And before we start in on the tune, we should sort of be predicting that might be the case, listening, trying to make those adjustments. Jennifer says, so how do you interpret the tune at first? Follow your instructor? I'm thinking that looking on YouTube would be risky, very risky uh, to look on YouTube, unless it's somebody that's clearly a P-Brock master who's released some sort of content on YouTube or who has had some sort of content um, 
coming out. So yeah, it's highly advisable to have a teacher. We've documented many, 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 I would say most of the beginner and intermediate PBROCs on Dojo U, which is a great way uh, to get a feel for how the tune should go. One of the reasons most PBROC players have teachers is for that reason. It can be very difficult to interpret at first. Once you get used to it, right, and you know the basic rules, you'll be able to get a strong basic interpretation without needing a teacher, but it's always good. You know, it's really a sort of community-based thing. It really is. You either should have a teacher or at the advanced level of PBROC playing like myself and um, I compete against Allie uh, occasionally on the circuit here in the Northeast U.S. As long as I'm looking at the right Allie Murray. Oh, yeah, I totally am. Um, um, advanced PBROC players are not necessarily these days going to have one specific PBROC teacher. Uh, but they're going to be playing and getting a lot of feedback from judges, sending recordings to esteemed PBROC players that can give them feedback and, and just kind of participating in that, you know, PBROC culture is really how you start to get the finesse, um, you know, to the point where since I haven't been competing at high levels of PBROC, you know, I think when I do decide to get back in the game there, it'll probably have a little bit of an adjustment period getting back into the vibe and exactly how things are playing because interpretation does ebb and flow over time. Uh, really good um, really good question. Sean, this is a great PBROC to learn as a first tune, The Company's Lament. It was my first tune. Uh, there are other good tunes. I sometimes do the Monroe's Salute with my students. Um... Uh, We've done Field of Gold a couple of times as a first P-Rock. But, um, you know, it's all up to, it's all up to the, what the teacher thinks is best. And, um, you know, tunes like this don't have a lot of complex, you know, compositional things in them. And it's very, you know, as, as much as it can be, it's very um, uh, doable. Okay. So there you go. I hope that, critiques hel uh, that critique helps. The person who submitted that recording will know who they are. This is pretty cool, right? Um, comment in, actually. We've got 15 or more viewers right now, which is pretty cool. Comment in if you feel like this is cool. Like, it's kind of cool. People can submit recordings and get critiqued, and we have some great content, and ha we can have some good discussions. Uh, but you don't have to necessarily put that person on the Internet forever with everybody knowing who it is, right? Right, Guy, uh, Roddy McLeod is a great resource. Jack Lee's website is a great resource. Uh, Lee and Sons, bagpipes.com. Um, and I feel like there's another site that I'm forgetting about. Um, and then there, you know, th those are pretty good resources to get good settings of the tune and hear good recordings. Um, and then Dojo U is really quite a good resource. We have a lot of good um, introductory PBROC stuff for people. And we're working on making it better as well. So anyway, let's, um, let's change gears a little bit. Um, I was speaking with one or two people that were participating in the Mike Murphy Memorial Indoor Pipe Band Competition. I'm not entirely sure where that was, uh, but it was a very high level grade three competition. And um, I was going to have a listen. I don't have the medleys available. Maybe we'll do that on another show. Because um, Ken, uh, Ken Heiner, who is like the inside guy, um, he's uploaded all of the 
MSRs, which is kind of exciting from the weekend, but he hasn't done the medleys yet. Uh, but I wanted to listen through. Um, I was speaking with somebody from the Atlanta Pipe Band, and just I thought I would give them a little bit of a critique. Like not nothing, nothing crazy, but um, I think they, you know, the person I was speaking to is definitely interested in uh, getting a little bit of feedback. So why don't we go for this and enjoy what I think is a pretty strong performance, and we can give some feedback as we go. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing what you think in the comments as well. Let's check it out. I'm gonna turn off my camera for now. Maybe I lied. Maybe I'm going to turn my camera back on. Haha. -ha. Maybe I just need to go up there. Let's skip ahead to. Definitely have some powerhouse pipers watching today. It's kind of ex exciting, a little bit nerve-wracking. That was me, sir. Okay, I just wanted to pause and I pressed the pause button here, but it actually just played from my iTunes. So anyway, sorry about that. Um, so uh, this is the Atlanta pipe, Grade 3 Pipe Band. And I just want to say that conceptually, I'm really enjoying uh, what's happened so far. I thought the attack was very strong. I think the overall feel and flow of the march is very strong. Um, I love the overall tonal quality of the pipes. Now, I, I don't think... I could be wrong, but I think uh, they did not get the result that they really were hoping for here in this particular contest. And so, I, and I haven't really listened to the other bands, and I think that's okay. I just, uh, I would offer my feedback that I think what's going on so far in the march is very strong. <clears throat> I have a hunch, although it's tough to hear, I have a hunch that some of the high hand tuning is being masked a little bit by the echo that we hear in the room. Uh, but there's definitely some suspect tuning on the F uh, and 
perhaps the high G. And the question is, remember, the million dollar question is, is the, you know, is the tuning issue that we're hearing uh, caused by bad tuning? Or is it caused by bad instrument control amongst individuals in the group? Does that make sense? So it could be that the notes are just set wrong. But nine times out of 10, the reality is the notes probably were set just fine. Uh, but the player doesn't have great instrument control uh, in, you know, blowing and intonation, you might hear it referred to, right? Uh, might not have great control over the intonation, causing the notes to go in and out, and sort of depending on what's going on with that individual player. So that's going to be the million dollar question. I think that's maybe the biggest weakness so far. I'm a, you know, I really enjoy the ensemble, the feel. And there, uh, I had a conversation about tempo with the person I was speaking with. I think the tempos here are appropriate. Uh, I, you know, the question is, are they sort of creeping a little bit? in the upward direction and are we losing some of the initial control just sort of gradually as we go on. And that's the sort of big classic, you know, intermediate challenge of intermediate groups. This would be a very strong intermediate group, right? In, in that I think we can start off controlled, but then just that ever, you know, ever so slight playing ahead of the beat by individuals, right? One guy does it, a couple other guys maybe do it, and just ever so slight creeping ahead of the beat by individuals, and the whole you know thing starts to creep up a little bit ahead of the beat, tempo starts to go up, lose a little bit of control, right? Then the drum corps maybe trying to adjust to what the pipe corps is doing and vice versa, and then it tends to sort of morph into the... Um, uh, into the direction of just being ever so slightly less controlled that you want it to be, maybe a little bit faster than you want it to be as well. By the way, all of that sort of stuff I'm talking about is amplified with adrenaline. Let's keep listening and see what happens. So we can definitely hear pretty serious uh, intonation issues now happening on the high hand notes, especially high G. And I'm almost certain it's an intonation issue, right? Where uh, players are not able to, quote, find the right pressure to blow these notes. Um, and of course, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll get into that in just a little bit, because to me, that's the biggest downside in the performance. We'll talk about how, to, how we can address some intonation uh, in, Intonation issues there. Can be a little, it's a little harsh on the ear there.
Okay, the break I thought was pretty good. Again, I'm definitely feeling like by the end of each tune so far, things have gotten just a little bit less controlled than optimal. So things are starting off really well. And then by the end of the tune, people are, you know, the overall groove has kind of been lost a little bit. And it's just due to a little bit of beat rushing and it, that sort of snowballs into a lot uh, of rushing. And of course, the drum corps is holding people back from going too fast. And uh, But there's definitely a push and pull and it's definitely not like 100% cohesive. Um, and I'm not good enough at explaining those issues, but that's where I am so far. Okay, let's finish off the reel and then uh, I'll add some finishing thoughts there. Definitely control issues in that part. Yeah. So it's very interesting, right? A very, very good performance, I think. It's a very strong grade three performance there, for sure. Um, and uh, it just loses a little bit of control at a time. The break was very good, and things are locked in. And um, again, I'm, I'm happy to go into this in more detail at some point, but it has to do with uh, control, right? Players are just edging ahead of the beat. Uh, and I'm, you know, I just know this because I've played in bands for so long. Players edge ahead of the beat. And they keep edging, and or it might not even be you. It might be the guy to your right, and then the guy, and then you have to adjust because you're hearing people going ahead, and then it just start starts to go. Um, and then <clears throat> that's is that's really what's challenging the ensemble. It's like overall just sort of slight lack of control there. Now, there's intonation issues on the high hand. All right. Now, this is due to a very important phenomenon that I want to go over, which is, um, and I'm not going to go over it in extreme depth, but the issue is um, not having a target uh, when blowing your instrument. So we all know that we're supposed to blow steadily, right? Great. But we're missing a really important dimension when we talk about that. And the dimension is, at what pressure should we be blowing steadily? Okay, this is a big, big issue, especially in bands, because as we know in bands, um, the pitch tends to sort of go up over time, and things, you know, so the pitch tends to go up, and then our ear makes us want to adjust and make unison with everybody else. But what happens is, see, I hit my desk again, and the camera went wonky there. Uh, but what happens is, if we're not all shooting for the same general target, we're going to run into trouble. Let me give you an example. Uh, the best overall place to blow your instrument is as hard as reasonably possible, right? The maximum 
reasonable pressure. Obviously, if we go too high in the pressure, we're going to have squeaks and nasty stuff is going to start to happen with our chanter read, but we want to be right up there. That's the target. It's very important that everyone in the band can blow perfectly steady at that target, and that's exactly the target that they hit. Because if not, right, then we're going to be tuning some people who are probably blowing well, some people who are blowing at less pressure, and unfortunately, the sort of default pressure by most people who haven't really been taught this skill is that they blow absolutely down at the bottom end of the range, right? The best place is up here, but where most people are blowing is way down here, way down where they're, you know, going to choke if they go any lower. So if everyone is perfectly in tune, but they're spanning this wide range of different blowing pressures, okay, as, as the performance goes on and as adjustments need to be made, like the pitch of the chanter is sort of climbing throughout the performance, right? Uh, and so we need to kind of adjust down in order to stay locked in with the drones and with the other pipers. But all those adjustments that need to be made are going to be easy for these people, harder for the people in the middle, and almost impossible for the people at the bottom. And what you experience after, you know, 30 to 45 seconds is going to be a complete separation and a little bit of a disaster where people are going to be struggling to find these fragile notes like high G and so on over the, the course of the performance. And in my experience, that's exactly what we're listening to here is uh, the pipes start off in tune, but because there's not a uniform uh, blowing, what I call nowadays a blowing target. And because people, you know, haven't been coached and, you know, we haven't developed the skill of all working towards the same blowing target where all the pipes are set at exactly the same blowing pressure as well. Because remember, it's not just about tuning drones and notes, right? It's also about how the chanter is set in the reed seat and all that stuff all pertains to uh, understanding where that target is. So that's the missing ingredient here because I love the overall foundation of the tone. I think the tuning was overall pretty good. Did we miss a tuning on F? Maybe. Or was it just immediately out of the gates, you know, intonation issues. But to me, that's, uh, that is the dimension that needs to be looked at here. Right? There's clearly really good players in the group, but um, sometimes we don't even talk about the blowing target. At what pressure should we blow perfectly steady? And by the way, as a side note, the manometer, especially one with a tube, is the perfect way to sort of identify where that sweet spot is and to blow perfectly steady. We do a lot of that at Dojo University. So uh, those are my thoughts, and uh, I'm super excited about it. By the way, I season my bag. This is a side note. See my little Snapchat icon there. Uh, by the way, I seasoned my pipes today, and I did a little Snapchat story all about it. So if you want to see um, a previous show, I sort of talked about my special seasoning technique that I do, which usually makes people go like that with their face, kind of scrunches up. But um, that's how I get my bag just so airtight, right? Any final thoughts here? Let's check the Facebooks. Yep, manometers, yep. Jonathan goes into full panic and the high hand disappears. Well, that's not good either. And, you know, there's obviously some of that might be the case here. Although, you know, this band definitely emanates really good music and confidence and experience. And I think things are, you know, things are overall really, really good. But the performance um, just deteriorated for a couple of reasons that I think are very addressable. So anyway, I hope this helps. Um, I hope this helps the band in question. This is the Atlanta Pipe Band. And for those people who are tuning in, 
I have a four o'clock appointment, so it's time to wrap this thing up. But I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Thanks very much for tuning in. And uh, we're going to go forward from here, I think. Russell asks, is your comment true for any grade level? In grade four bands, you really find a wide range of abilities. Yeah, but I don't think anything I've said today is not applicable, right? It's always going to be applicable. It's always about uh, can the individuals blow steady at the sweet spot and can the individuals in the band truly play with control relative to the beat as opposed to jumping a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead, and then you sort of end up uh, at the end of a performance with that sort of classic deterioration. And I think it really is true at all levels. Okay, there it is, folks. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Check me out on Snapchat. By the way, this show is mixed down. It'll be on the YouTube channel shortly. Uh, then it'll be available in podcast form as well. So I hope that you're enjoying Piper's Dojo TV. If there's one thing you could do for me right now is just press the share button so that your friends know that uh, you checked this out. That'd be super cool. And we can develop even more of a following as we go forward. Thanks very much, everybody. We will talk to you soon.